Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I am ready for Freddie today. Had a great night last night watching college hoops. I'm going to get into that. I love what Sir Charles had to say about... About that sanctuary city that is San Louis and Calvin Sampson, you ruined it for him. Calvin Sampson, you ruined it. I was falling in love with one of your players, and then you just ruined it. I'm done with Indiana. Hell, I'm done with Indiana women's basketball. Don't at me starts right now. I think I started early, but that's okay. I feel good today. I feel real good today. All right, let's get right into it. Sir Charles. Sir Charles had to sit there and listen to the dumbest human being alive that has a microphone, not named Dan Dockage. His name, Draymond Green. Like, how did the NBA, I guess it's not the NBA, but I feel it's in concert with TNT, decide it was a good idea to let the assault-driven, the racist-driven Draymond Green in front of a mic. They started talking. They started talking bad, Draymond Green did, about the great city of Indianapolis. Now, make no mistake, Indianapolis is not the same Indianapolis that it was years ago when we hosted Final Fours and Super Bowls. You know, we let thugs. Yeah, I'm saying thugs every day. There will be a thug alert. I don't care what the mayor of Kansas City says. Hey, Ryan Clark said it was okay, and I've been calling white dudes thugs my whole life, so kiss my ass with that one. However, here's the deal. Ever since we let thugs take over our town in a peaceful protest that burned everything down, and don't give me this stuff that it was only black dudes. I saw a white dude take off a uh, sign, parking sign, and fire it through Harry and Izzy's window. So all you idiots that came downtown and burned downtown, well, you suck. Anyway, so Barkley and, and Green got involved in a conversation about Indianapolis, and Green didn't really like Indianapolis. Green's like, well, you know, nah, it's no good. And Barkley wasn't having none of it because guess where Draymond Green's sorry racist ass sits? That's right. San Francisco. Here it is. Here's the exchange. Let's hear it. Minus, uh, you know, hey, the hey, 17 degrees. Hey, 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 Reggie. Yes? If you, had a, if you had a chance of being cold or being around a bunch of homeless crooks in San Francisco, when you... Oh, oh that's crazy. Oh, no. You're not welcome. Oh, not hey, you're not welcome. Hey, hey, hey. No, we don't. <laughs> yes, we do. You can't even walk around down yes, there. Yes, you can walk around. Yeah, with a bulletproof bag. Hey, Taylor. <laughs> that's security. You live in Philadelphia. Taylor, that little red button on that microphone that says coffee. Well, he ain't wrong. I mean, all you got to do is look at the pictures. And, you know, you really don't take anything Draymond Green says seriously because he's an idiot. I mean, he's proven over and over. And, you know, he can wear a jacket and tie and he can get a microphone and he can smile, but he's an idiot. He's really stupid. And the fact of the matter is, he comes into our town and he starts talking bad about him. Good for Barkley for standing up. And is Barkley wrong? I don't think so. All you got to do, well, I went to San Francisco a few years ago. I had a pretty good time, but right there by the ballpark, my God, what are we doing? 
I felt like I got I got uh, shot up with a needle just walking past. So good for Barkley, and Barkley is absolutely not wrong. In fact, I would say this. I can't sit here like I used to and tell you how great Indianapolis is. I used to. See, the thugs came in. They burned down our town. The mayor was allegedly incapacitated, allegedly couldn't function, allegedly maybe even in rehab. Didn't do anything about it. Told the police to stand down. The city hasn't recovered. You go downtown, we'll try to fake you out. Like we put boards up with basketballs and all kind of stuff. But you're not faking anybody out. Thugs came in, burned our city down, and I swear to God, uh, if they have a chance to do it again, they will because our mayor is milk toast. But it used to be awesome, and everybody knows it. You go to Nikki Blaine's, all these clowns go to Nikki Blaine's. They go downtown, downstairs, smoke a cigar. It's nice. You can walk around. This, ladies and gentlemen, is San Francisco. San Francisco is a function of the Democrats wanting to do everything wrong. Defund the police. Homeless everywhere. Give drugs out to people. I mean, it's insanity. It's Caligula out there in San Francisco. And good for Barkley for not standing by while a complete dumbass, and he is a dumbass. I mean, look, this isn't just because of San Francisco or, or Green criticizing Indianapolis. This is just Draymond Green being on the broadcast is a symptom of what's wrong with the NBA. We celebrate thuggery. We celebrate jackassery. And the All-Star Game was the perfect place for it. I mean, we got guys that wouldn't go hard. We got guys that think, well, you know what? It's just a break for me. eh, You know, it's just a break. Really? Is it a break so you can walk up and down? Is it a break so that people that spend hundreds of dollars on tickets, is it a break? Of course it's not. But you know what? That's what they tell me. They tell me this all the time. It's just a break. Eh, what are you going to do? Eh, I don't care. People paid good money. Used to be people respected the league. Michael Jordan, Dominique Wilkins, Kobe Bryant, dunk contest. But now the NBA is like San Francisco. Here's Anthony Edwards, who hasn't done jack squat except get Tom Crean fired at Georgia, but he gets a lot of points against a sorry-ass defense. For me, it's an all-star game, so I don't think I will ever look at it like being super competitive. It's always fun. I don't know what they can do to make it more competitive because you're an uncompetitive prick. That's why, Anthony Edwards, it's always fun. That's always I just got to have fun because we got children in the NBA in men's bodies making men's money, and then 10 years from now they'll all be broke and will go away. But I don't know what they can do to make it more competitive. It's a break. I don't think nobody wants to come here and compete. All right. I mean, because you guys compete super hard for so long. No, that's what sucks about the NBA. It is. It's what sucks about the NBA. Look, the NBA went downhill when nobody, like LeBron James and his current cast of clowns, wanted to participate in a dunk contest. When you got Michael against Drexler, you got Michael against Dominique, you got Kobe in there, you had awesome stuff people wanted to watch. Now, who are we watching? Matt McClung? All right. We had to throw a woman, that that lady, Iva was her name, against Steph Curry, and that's the highest-rated part of the entire All-Star game, according to the Nielsen ratings, because these guys are idiots. I mean, they just are. I mean, look, I would be. 
You give me 21 years old. You give me more women. You give me staying in luxury hotels. You give me 16 little white guys hovering around me going, oh, Dan, you're so cool. I'd be an idiot. And then throw the big cash on it. I'd be a stone idiot. So I don't blame Anthony Edwards and the rest of the clowns for not respecting the league. How can they? There's the worst commissioner in the league in Adam Silver. Why is he the worst commissioner, Dan? Because he gave up power. You think David Stern was ever giving up power? Of course not. David Stern ruled with an iron fist. You didn't dress right as a coach. He called you up. What are you doing? You didn't have a tie on. Adam Silver is, uh, well, he's a symptom of the new disease. Let's let the players do what they want. When you let players do what they want, it never ends. We're not going to compete in an all-star game. We're not going to compete in a dunk contest. Dunk contest is just a bunch of idiots trying to look cool when they miss dunks. I digress. We don't want to play 82 games. We want to play 58. No, we want to play 62. That's too many. No. And Adam Silver, all the while, with his mealy-mouthed face, is sitting there giving in to all of it. You never give in to players. Players are idiots. I don't care whether it's college. I don't care whether it's the pros. I don't care whether it's Little League. Players, I was an idiot. Players are idiots. Don't give in to them. You know, it's really funny. Uh, some guys can get away with criticism, and some guys don't. I'm not the biggest Bob Ryan fan. Like, I don't care one way or the other about Bob Ryan. I really don't. I mean, he's an old guy, and these old guys like Feinstein and Bob Ryan, when you talk to them, they always talk about themselves. Like, I talked to my boy Feinstein, and my boy Feinstein always has to bring up how Bobby Knight, I'm like, you were there nine months out of whatever. Uh, What's-his-face is the same thing. Well, people are mad. People are mad at Bob Ryan. Why, why are they mad at Bob Ryan? Not because he brings the worst turkey neck in the history of television or somehow, some way, he's never cleaned his teeth. That's not why they're mad at Bob Ryan, although they could be. I am. When I see him on TV, I look away. I mean, just put a toothbrush to those teeth, a little whitener. Look, they got Dennis. You know, I'm sure you're making a little bit of money doing around the horn. Just take a little bit, put it on the side, and go get a little whitener. Anyway, I digress. Once again, Bob Ryan said, these NBA stars are showing no respect for the game. It's another dunk-a-rama and three-point farce. Not a single hand in anyone's face. I'll see how TCM is doing. See you next year. What a waste of time. Adam, you must do something. It's embarrassing to your sport. All right. Brett Timoley says, as opposed to the super competitive all-star games we've had in recent memory, we've had a lot of really good all-star games. We have. Uh, We all know this. The money changed the all-star game. You know, back when you needed the all-star game to maybe get another $10,000 in your pocket if you won, uh, you know what? The all-star game had meaning. Now, $10,000, that's what these idiots have in their wallet, walking around downtown. That's what they throw around at the strip club. That's the price of a new uh, pearl-handled Glock for these clowns. And if you think I'm wrong, well, I'm not. If you're not personally offended by this disgraceful farce, Ryan said, taking place right now in India, you don't love or understand basketball. These all-stars should be censored. And where are the coaches? Have any of them have any pride? They are all acting like athletic court jesters. He is so right about this. The coaches, well, what do they got? 
Look, I'll say this. In your better organizations, your coaches have meaning. Like, there was a time that Popovich had to organize how to play Duncan, how to play Ginobili, how to play Parker, and how to play Robinson, along with a wing guy. I get it. But in an all-star game, I guarantee you that. I bet you this. I think it'd be interesting to see how many of the players play drunk or high. I coached an all-star game one time, Big Ten all-star game. Some clown named Larry Smith, who played at Illinois, Shows up. Every kid was getting paid. They're like, hey, Dan, we'll give you 500 bucks. We just need a coach. I go, I'm in, man. I'll coach the Big Ten All-Stars. Some kid named Larry Smith was an okay player at Illinois. He shows up late, posse, drunk. I'm like, hey, man, I ain't putting you out there drunk. Hey, I said, screw it. I ain't fighting nobody. Give me my check. That's my All-Star game experience. Larry Smith at Illinois, hammered, showing up late. Posse, white dudes, of course, because there's always a, oh, little white dude running around. But you shouldn't get on at all. You should not get on uh, Bob Ryan because numerous, numerous NBA players have had enough. Numerous NBA players have said, hold on here. You know what? This is crap. This is complete crap. And we got to do better. We got to do better. So, Eddie Johnson's one of my favorites. I wish we could get Eddie on. Eddie was older than me. He played at Illinois, and he played 17 years in the Big Ten. Or, excuse me, played 17 years in the NBA. He read Anthony Edwards' comment. For me, it's an all-star game. I don't think I'll ever look at it as competitive. It's always fun. Eddie Johnson said this. No, it's basketball against the best of the best on the same court you uh, and on the same court, and you were taught to compete every time you step between those lines. And anything short of that is disrespecting the game. Guys politic to be all-stars, but refuse to play like one on a stage designed to be a showcase. I love Eddie Johnson. I do. I do. I mean, look, I'm sorry. And uh, you know what? Why are everybody, why are people on Bob Ryan's ass, but not on Eddie Johnson's ass? You know what the big racist Kendrick Perkins said? The big racist said, you know what? What disrespect. I was in the league for 14 years. Never made an all-star team. I would have loved to. The big, the big racist who now has a following, you know what? He says it was a complete embarrassment the all-star game. And he's right. And the thing about it is all these little clowns think they look so, they look stupid. Now I get it. They don't care what a 61 year old bald guy on outkick thinks. I totally get it. They care what Stephen A. Smith thinks. I get that too. And he said, I quote travesty. Well, the truth of the matter is I'm not sure these clowns care about anything. And I've said this before, and I will say this again. There was a time, there was a time, ladies and gentlemen, in this country that boxing was huge. I don't mean kind of huge. I mean, I'm not the number one sport. I think baseball at the time was one, but it was right after baseball. Now you don't even hear about boxing. You don't even think about boxing. 
There was a time when football didn't sell out the Super Bowl. There was a time when football was eh. How's football doing now? You continue this path, NBA, and you got a serious problem facing you. Ratings are already massively down. Rights are all are up, and ESPN, if you look at what they are trying to do, certainly with football and college rights, certainly the college football playoff now that it expands and there's more inventory, which means costs go up. What's ESPN going to do? And you have a rapidly, and I mean rapidly, disenfranchised, not only the white dude, but the former player. I've heard from more former players, this is insane. These guys have no respect. These guys don't even want to play hard any night. Now, it's a familiar lament with the NBA, but Jordan, Magic, Bird, Isaiah, others changed it. They made it must-see. Why? Because they participated. Nobody ever said Jordan, Bird, or Magic, Isaiah didn't play hard. You went to go see Jordan Bird or Magic, you knew you were getting a show. No one ever had to listen to Jordan Bird or Magic talk about politics. They did, not, not Jordan. They did, but in a way, and don't give me this gracious crap. They did it in a way because they understood everything we do affects our bottom line, which is the league. Isaiah wasn't afraid to speak up. Magic wasn't afraid to speak up. Bird wasn't afraid to speak. They, didn't, they weren't afraid to speak up, but they had a coolness about them. They had a respect about him. I see LeBron walking out of a press conference with a purse, and I'm like, Jesus. I see these guys dressing like little women every time they go to a game, and look, I think, Jesus. I understand the 18 to 15, uh, 15 to 18-year-olds may like it. I see our guy, Miles Turner, who half the time looks like a chick going to a game, and I'm like, Jesus. All right. Okay. NBA's got a problem. And it ain't just, it is not just old white guys. Not even close. Not even close. Uh Uh-uh. Got a serious problem. When former players are now calling it out, when the David Aldridge's of the world are calling it out, you got a problem. You got a big problem. You do. I I think anyway, but what do I know? Well, I know everything. Uh... (laughs) At least I'll tell you I know everything. I just get so tired of the clown act. Dan, turn the channel. I do. What do you want me to tell you? I do. I turn the channel. And if that's good enough for you, that's good enough for you. But that's what I do. All right, college basketball last night. So I'm watching college basketball last night, and I fell in love. I did. I fell in love. No, Lee didn't walk in with some sexy lingerie. She doesn't have to. That's not what I'm talking about. I fell in love with a kid named Jamal Sneed. Dan, who the hell is Jamal Sneed? I'll tell you who Jamal Sneed is. Jamal Sneed, I'm going to get to J.A. Donde in a second. I screwed that up, fellas, so forgive me. Jamal Sneed is a point guard for Houston. Jamal Sneed is the toughest, most competitive, most complete point guard in the country. There are two All-Americans in my world in college basketball. One, Zach Eady. Two, Jamal Sneed. I don't care what somebody did back in Maui. I don't care what somebody did during Feast Week. Or, boy, they had a big game against McNeese over Christmas. 
You know what I care about? Second half, packed house, conference title on the line, Houston against a really, really good Iowa State team. And make no mistake, Houston is really good, really well coached. I do not like Calvin Sampson. I'll get, I'll get to that in a minute. I worked for him. I'll get to all of that in a minute. But I'm watching Jamal Sneed, and I'm going, wow, this dude's a badass. Look, don't ask me about the NBA because I don't care whether he can play in the NBA. I have no idea. But I know this. Every time I saw Jamal Sneed and somebody else was at the free throw line, he was organizing. Every time they needed a bucket, he went and got it. Made all of his free throws. I think he was 14 for 14 in the game last night. If you haven't had a chance to watch Houston, they're fun to watch. And Jamal Sneed is an American badass. Now, he's also a 3.4 student, according to Samson. He's also a great father, according to Samson. He's also graduating, according to Samson. reason I say according to Samson is Samson is one of the great American liars. Here's where it got ruined for me last night with Jamal Sneed. After the game, I think it was on SVP, Samson started talking about he represents everything that we are. Now, you got to understand something. Calvin Sampson is the lyingest, cheatingest, worst thing about college basketball, maybe in the history of college basketball. And when he was lying and he was cheating back at Oklahoma and at Indiana, he was saying the same thing about his program. They represent who we are. This is who we are. He's one of the great frontmen. Like guy, national writers like Mike DeCourcy, who I absolutely cannot stand and don't have respect for. It's not that I can't stand, I just don't have respect for him. The reason I don't have respect for him is Samson bought and sold Mike DeCourcy. He bought and sold him. DeCourcy came to visit. Samson talked nice about DeCourcy, or to DeCourcy, gave him all the access. Second, Samson uh, and DeCourcy split up, and DeCourcy left. Samson goes, I hate that asshole. It's exactly what he said to me. But Samson's smart. So fast forward, he gets kicked out of Indiana, and people think, and DeCourcy included, think that, well, it was because of phone calls and texts. No, it wasn't. That was part of it. There was a lot more going on than that. We had dudes with guns. We had dudes smoking weed. There were payments to players. Every time, every meeting that Rob Senderoff, who's now the coach at Kent State, which is unbelievable in itself, because there's no other big dirtbag than Rob Senderoff, but dirtbaggery doesn't matter anymore. Dirtbaggery sells. Long story short, Calvin Sampson, whenever he and Senderoff went in a room and that door closed, it's the only meetings I weren't involved with with DJ White. I'm like, ah, okay, I found out later. Allegedly. Alleged. Everything's alleged. <laughs> Some cash. Samson is a – and this ruined it for me with Snead. I don't want this kid to be about what Calvin Sampson's about. Calvin Sampson, I'm sure, has done a great job with Snead in every area. But there, I don't care if Calvin Sampson and people will send me what he's doing for the poor, what he's doing here – that's great. That's all part of Samson. There's a saying in coaching. If they think you get in the office at 4 in the morning, you can sleep till noon. If they think you're doing all this stuff publicly, you can cheat, lie, and steal your ass off. Now, the world of college basketball, I heard a story last night. I heard it 
they talked about Samson's dad, who I really like. So Samson's dad tells Samson, don't take the Houston Rockets job. You're a college coach. Yes. Samson took the Houston job. His father passed away the next day. His father knew. His father knew what was coming in college basketball, where guys like Samson that can cheat, lie, steal, and put on an unbelievable front. Well, guess what? He's coaching his ass off. I will tell you, would it surprise me if Calvin Sampson entered the Hall of Fame? Absolutely not. The Hall of Fame is full of shit in basketball. It's the weakest, most ridiculous Hall of Fame. If you are a woman and you scored a bucket, you're getting in. <laughs> if you're a foreign coach and you won the seventh division in Guam, even though that idiot guy Johnson, the congressman from Georgia, thinks Guam might tip over, I, I digress. You get in the Basketball Hall of Fame. So, of course, this clown is going to get in the Basketball Hall of Fame, despite the fact that he put two schools on probation. Am I bitter? No. No. Gave me a job. Did he try to screw me when I was interim coach? I don't know. I didn't pay any attention. I was nice to his kid. I kept Kellen on. I like Kellen. But that guy right there, oh, man. They smile in your face all the time. They want to take your place. They're backstabbers. Backstabbers. That's the OJs. Anyway, speaking of the Hall of Fame, if you are African-American and you are a writer, you will be in the Hall of Fame. If you are a woman and you are a broadcaster, Debbie Antonelli is getting some award for broadcasting. Anyway, so J.A. Adande, the Basketball Hall of Fame, the basketball, the Naismith Memorial Basketball Hall of Fame is named J.A. Adande because he's African-American. Certainly not because of anything he's doing. And I'll tell you why I say this. The recipient of the Kirk Gowdy Print Media Award, an honor given to the journalist for written coverage in basketball. Now, you got to understand something about J.A. Adande. He defended the genocide of Muslims in China on ESPN. Here's this idiot, Adande. Who are we to criticize China's human rights records when we have ongoing uh, attacks by the agents of the state against unarmed citizens and we've got assaults on the voting rights of, of our people of color in various states in this country? So sports, I think it is possible and it's necessary more than ever to just shut everything out if you are to enjoy the actual games themselves. Well, again, where can you choose that so, that's free? Uh, and, and, and look at some of the other recent hosts of the games, in, including Russia and, and, and some other recent places. It's very hard to find a country that isn't problematic when it comes to human rights, including here. Remember, we, we had athletes boycott going to Mexico City because of the human rights issues in the United States in 1968, most notably Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Um, I, I think we can bring attention to it. I think it's, it's notable that we did have a Uyghur participant lighting the torch, and, and hopefully this will be used to bring attention to it. J.A. Adande compared, which we all found out was false. There was nobody criticizing you know, voting rights. Get your fat ass off a couch, get an ID, and let's go. J.A. Adande, who doesn't even write anymore. Now, I, full disclosure, I have a niece that uh, takes his class. And Adande, she loves. And that's good. That's great. That's wonderful. But he compares genocide in China to voting. He defends it. 
Now imagine if a white dude did that in the media. Holy hell. And I love to say that because it's always true. If a white dude that did that in the media, you know what the you know what would happen? You know what would absolutely happen? The dude would be fired, probably shot. Sarah Spain would flop her big old things out and talk on TV. Adonde would criticize the hell out of him. You know what I'm saying? It'd be unbelievable. But this guy, play that again. Play that first part again, if you don't mind. It's unbelievable. Who are we to criticize China's human rights records when we have ongoing uh, attacks by the agents of the state against unarmed citizens, and we've got assaults on the voting rights of, of our people of color in various states in this country. So sports, I think it is possible, and it's necessary more than ever to just shut everything out if you are to enjoy the actual games themselves. Well, again, where can you choose yeah, there you go. free uh, and, and, and look at some of the other re- He's just a dirtbag. I mean, look, every guy's trying to get on the social rights thing, the social justice. There's money there. There's absolute money there for J.A. Adande. But J.A. Adande, we're not allowed, we should not criticize, we should not criticize China for genocide, and we're going to compare that to some fat asses in Georgia that can't get off their ass and show a voter ID. Now, the guy on the left here, Mark Jones, is whiter than me. I mean, I'll just tell you, he's white wife, blah, 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 blah. But he tries so hard, too. Guy on the left, Mark Jones, is a guy that tried to say that, well, after 20 years of working at ESPN, I worry about the police that are escorting me, shooting me. Mark Jones, if you work with him, and I have, is the dumbest human being you will ever, the most full of shit. Oh, my God. God, the most opportunist. But ESPN's not going to do anything about that, and who cares? I mean, you can't, you know, can't fire Jam Posse, which we all made fun of him for. But Adande is just evil. I mean, look, it's not hard to simply say, hey, guess what? Genocide in China is awful. I get it. You're trying to be down for the cause, yo. I get it. We all get it. Adande is another dude that really, I mean, he – he probably has been criticized in his life a lot for not being black enough. I promise you. You could tell. But he's trying now. And it resulted in him getting in the Hall of Fame. The Basketball Hall of Fame. The National Basketball Hall of Fame is going to put a guy in that can't criticize genocide. Like, if this is 40 years ago, I'm cool because nobody spoke out. But now when people speak out, you're supposed to at least have some repercussions. Hell, I said I wouldn't go swimming with some hag, or I wouldn't go at it with some hag in a pool. Some hag professor from somewhere. Because I'm married, and I ain't going in a pool with someone that ain't my wife. Oh, my God, ESPN had to investigate misogynist comments. Oh, my God, USA Today. Little Danny Wolken. Oh, the Indy Star ran three articles on it, more than they ran about a cop being murdered here in town. Because I said I wouldn't go swimming with a, in, a, in a pool, wouldn't go at it. As the woman said, let's go at it in the pool. I, I ain't going at it in the pool. He ain't my wife. Rapey, they said. Okay. But J.A. Adande, 
who literally can't criticize genocide and compares it to what? Who really has been persecuted because of voting rights? Who, J.A.? Oh, I love this show. I do. I'm sorry. I love this show. I hope they let me keep it. I do. (laughs) Hey, Spags wants to be a head coach again. Didn't go well the first time. Steve Spagnola, who is all the rage right now as a coordinator, I don't blame him. Look, it's easy. Everybody wants to be a head coach. Everybody wants to be the guy. And here's the other deal. When your record isn't good, as Spags was not, well, you want a chance to get that off of your resume. You do. Like, people make fun of me because I only won like 56% or 57% of my games, and nobody cares that I lost my best player. Nobody cares. Nobody. And I don't blame them. So Spags, who really struggled as a head coach, uh, well – He wants a chance, and I hope he gets it. However, this is what he said. Absolutely, I would want to. We're prideful guys in this business. I wasn't a success when I was at St. Louis. That's right. Although I think what gets lost, and this is what we do here. This is what we do. You hear me say it all the time about the injuries, right? You do. You hear it all the time. You hear me say it, and I'll never stop saying it. I think what was lost is that when we went from year one to year two in that second year in 2010, had we won the last game of the season, we're in the playoffs. And that's right. And every every single coach has that. Now, I don't know where he came up. Oh, I guess in 210 he was seven and nine. So it had been eight and eight. And hosting a playoff game against the Saints, it didn't happen. Then we hit the lockout. Things didn't go well. And we were gone. The answer to the question is yes, but I always follow up with this. If it never happens – and it's God will that I continue to do what I'm doing. I'm a blessed man. There you go. Spags was 11 and 41 in his career. 09, 010, 011, or 011, I guess. And then 17, he was the interim coach. 1 and 15, 7 and 9. You know what? He should have quit. 2 and 14 is last year in St. Louis. And then 1 and 3. So, you know, I hope he gets a chance. I'm sure that's racist. <laughs> I do. I hope he gets a chance. I hope he does. I've said, I've told you this before. I've known him since we were at Bowling Green together. Spags was assistant football coach. I think I've told you this story. We were at Tim Dunn's house. I can remember. I'm at this party, and I don't like going to parties. So I'm in the bathroom. I'm like, how am I getting out of here? And I have a tendency, and it's not my endearing, my most endearing quality, but I have a tendency, if I don't want to be somewhere, I just leave. And I don't tell my wife. I did it to Lee one time, and it almost cost our relationship. She was having a good time at this bar in Bowling Green. People started recognizing me in Bowling Green. I didn't really want to be there. I didn't want to bother her. I didn't need a bunch of goodbyes, so I left. Well, I did the same thing at Tim Dunn's party in Bowling Green. I left. I went home. Started watching film. Next thing you know, here comes my wife with Steve Spagnola and his girlfriend. My wife was unhappy. Spags was laughing. He goes, what are you doing? I go, I'm watching film. He goes, it's like April. I go, I know. But I got to figure this out. He understood. But anyway, I always liked Spags. I did. I thought Spags was great. Um, Lily Gladstone 
She's the actress in Killers of the Flower Moon. Now, Killers of the Flower Moon, Nick reminded me, I watched. And here's how he reminded me that I watched it. It's a three-hour and 15-minute movie. Lee and I sat down, I don't know, like two weeks ago. I was all hepped up on pain meds, so I don't really remember it. But I remember this. I'm thinking, damn, it's two hours, so we hit the little button on the TV, and it's still another hour and a half to go. So Lily's doing what J.A. Adonde and Mark Jones is trying. She's trying to get involved because she's Native American, and we're supposed to care about what little actress girl does. Look, just get on the casting couch and get yourself another job and shut the fuck up. I'm tired of Hollywood. I'm tired of everything about Hollywood. I'm tired of these little actresses. But let's get into this. Honestly, you could hold both teams accountable. Shut the fuck up. The 49ers are based on the California gold rush. was an incredible time, which was an incredibly brutal time for California Indians. Yeah, that's fine. And then the Chiefs. There are ways that you can interpret the name Chief. Not Not just the name that bothers me. It's hearing the damn tomahawk chop. We'll do it for you, baby. I love the tomahawk chop. First time I ever heard it, we're playing Florida State, and they're kicking our ass in the NCAA tournament. We ended up whooping them. They had Charlie Ward and those guys, and the whole crowd was doing this in Louisville. And I'm like, whoa, that's pretty cool. So screw you, it's pretty cool. It's not just a name that bothers me. Hearing a tomahawk chuck every time is a stark reminder of what Hollywood has done to us. Of course, this is a broad that makes her money off Hollywood. Because the tomahawk chalk directly ties to the sounds of old westerns where we were not playing ourselves, or if we were, we were merely backdrop actors. Yeah, well, what are you going to do? You'll be all right. Just go back to Hollywood. You know, be a pedophile or whatever you all do in Hollywood, and then come out and make another movie and then talk again. But if you're mad about it, Lily, or whatever your name is, go over there and be mad. It's what I used to tell my ex-wife. You're mad? That's fine. I'll go over there. (laughs) Native Americans, of course, are firing back at her because she's an idiot. Uh, It's a woke firing squad looking to tear everything down by telling us that Native Americans and Americans need to be divided. It's become popular to think that even seeing a Native American image is racist. Boy, is that true. Remember the little boy, nine years old, that Deadspin couldn't wait to call out? How come Deadspin and others haven't called out the African-American thugs that shot up the parade? They're saying it's because he's under 18. We didn't have any problem with Adam Rittenhouse. We didn't have any problem with the little kid who was wearing a headdress. Interesting stuff. You think race is involved there? I do. Anyway, Native American history. This is from the Native American Garden Association, Tony Henson. Native American history is American history. The effort to divide us comes from the hate America Marxist crowd that wants to tear down tradition and rebuild the U.S. in their own image. Yeah, that's got to be fought. So I don't give a rat's ass what some little girl named Lily Gladstone, has to say. I won't care today. I won't care tomorrow. Unless she says something egregiously stupid, like J.A. Adande and Mark Jones, two egregiously stupid human beings. Well, that's not true. Adande is pretty smart. Mark Jones is the dumbest human being you're ever going to be around. Like, just stupid. And as one of his partners texts me, Danny's whiter than you. There was an African-American guy. 
This is why the African-American community loves me, because I keep it real, yo. All right, what do we got when we come back? Oh, baby, it's hammer time. One of my favorites. And then Craig Carton at 10. Let's have a day, yo. Man, I'm fired up. Sack the hell up and don't go anywhere. Don't at me. We'll be right back after this. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Jason Allen Hammer, our favorite, Hammer Time, WIBC. You hear him, you know him, you love him every afternoon, three to whenever he decides to stop talking. That's it. That's how they do it in Indy. When Hammer and Nigel, it's the Hammer and Nigel show, and you can download their app and you can listen every day, but their contract says, we'll go to three till whenever, and don't (laughs) at me. That's it. Hey, uh, HT, there's a little controversy, a little cold in Indy. Some people are bitching, whining, and moaning. I love that Charles Barkley stood up for Indy during the All-Star game. What does it mean? Everybody always says, Indy killed it in the All-Star game. What the hell does that mean? What does it mean that we killed it? So, compare and contrast, okay? So, go back to last year, Salt Lake City. They hosted the All-Star game. So, let's compare and contrast this year's All-Star game to last year's All-Star game. In Indianapolis, even though it's cold, like Salt Lake City, everything is connected. There are walkways. There are basically bridges that you can walk across. Everything's covered, and everything's connected in downtown Indy. If you're tough enough, you don't really even need an Uber. All the hotels, all the venues, you can walk to in about 10, 15 minutes. And on top of that, the nightclubs, they stay open a little longer, and there are multiple locations. You can go up and down Meridian Street. You got your brothers. You got your Tiki Bobs. All those places stay open late. Then, if you do feel a little sassy, you can hop your fat ass in a cab, go to Broad Ripple, where it's kind of Indy's version of Bourbon Street down there. That's where a lot of big events were taking place. So you got options. Salt Lake City, the bars closed at 9 o'clock. So if you're asking how did Indy kill it, all we can do is go by what happened previously. The city was decorated. Everybody gets into it. There's civic pride about it. Everybody was wearing gear. To me, that seems like Indy killed it. I'm in. That's enough for me. You know what? Uh, I'm, I'm good. All-star game dead, DOA, dead on arrival. You know what? I'm not one of these guys that's got my panties in a twist about the all-star game. Oh, my God, there were three-pointers. There were slam dunks. Oh, my God, Coach. I wish people would get as passionate about local elections as they do about wanting to fix the all-star game (laughs) of Pro Bowl. I wish people would get as passionate about picking national leaders as they do about fixing the all-star game and Pro Bowl. Is it a rough watch? Yes. Are these dudes out there half-assing it? No doubt. Luka Doncic did not want to be there. Joker did not want to be there. 
Um, but I'm not going to get flipped out by it. Like, do you really want Damian Lillard's old ass getting down in the stance, slapping the floor on defense? Is that what you're looking for when yes. you're going to one of these? Defense? Yes. Yes. I want I want Barkley and Pippen like they did in 92 fighting. That's what I want. I got my panties are in a bunch. I pooped them because I'm old and I peed them. But, hey, they're still in a bunch, pal. No, nah, I know get what, what you're anything, saying. I do. If anything gets my panties in a bunch, it's Dame Lillard's act at the All-Star game. So, listen, you know this. It's kind of a rite of passage. The old dudes at the All-Star game, you defer to the young guns. That's how you build right. up the league, right? There comes a point in time where all the old dudes say, hey, it's not my time. It's your time to shine. Hell, LeBron barely even played in the second half of the All-Star game here. But not Dame Lillard. No, no, no. The old man is so insecure about laying an egg against the Pacers all season long that he felt he had to shoot the ball every single time that he got the rock here. Uh, so apparently to Dame Lillard, winning the three-point shootout and being the MVP at the All-Star game in Indy is substantially better than, you know, losing four out of five to the Pacers or three out of four to the Pacers, whatever it is. Uh the little rivalry going on between the Pacers and Bucks. For those who don't know, keep an eye on it because it's pretty nasty, and I'm here for it. I'm here for this kind of petty. I'm here for Giannis getting butt hurt about a basketball being taken away at the end of the game. I'm here for Dame Lillard being booed at the All-Star game for not passing the torch to the young guys. That level of petty, that's got my attention. Yeah. Oh, look, I had $100 to win $1,200 on Halliburton winning the MVP, and I thought with five quick threes, I thought, hey, look at Double Dizzle. And then Dame <laughs> Lillard, who's on every commercial and can barely freaking speak and shoots from the gun and ruins teams and gets coaches fired, decided, yeah, well, you know what? I'm going to do it, and I ain't happy about it. A-H-T, you mentioned the election. Uh, our boy Trump came out with some sneakers the other day. Uh, I think that's going to put him over the top. I do. I, I think him as a as a pitch man, Michael Jordan style. You know, even Republicans do buy shoes there, uh, Hammer Time. Yeah, he's got some legal bills to pay off, Coach. So he had to come up with some merch. That's what happens when you got some bills to pay. You throw some merch out there, and uh, my man's got some bills to pay. Whether you think it's fair or not, whether you think it's over the top or not, is irrelevant. Fact of the matter is, he followed up having to pay that whack job E. Jean Carroll $85 million more with having to pay $350 million to the state of New York. Now, they're going to appeal that, but still, it costs money for the appeal process. Even if the appeals process works and everything gets expunged and everything's off the record, he still would have to pay a healthy sum that's going to hurt his bank account just to get the process rolling, and there's no guarantee that it's going to work. So, listen, we're not dumb. We see what's going on here. I think a lot of folks that have power in the political left in this country, they see that these court trials aren't going to go the way they like. You got big fat Fanny down in Georgia making an ass of herself. This case with Fat Alvin in New York Looks like it's not going to go anywhere. So if you can't beat him in court, you're going to try to make him so broke that he can't run for election. That's the game plan now. And Trump rolling out gold sneakers and everything and in between, 
a new line of merch. It's just trying to help him stay in the game. Hey, Fanny, not afraid to throw it around, huh? And pay for it with old boy. They, uh, you know, two hours away, they had to lunch. I mean, they're Fanny. And then she says, it's a black thing. We have a lot of money in our uh, house. And I got a bunch of brothers that are like, Hey Dan, that ain't true, man. We don't keep money in our house because we know somebody come in and take our shit. Fanny's going to get off of this, isn't she? I don't know. There's a lot of paper trails there. If this is not a kangaroo court, Fanny's in trouble. Now, that doesn't mean that Trump's going to be off the hook. It just means she's right. going to get removed from this trial. But watching her testimony, watching her melt down, Wow. was beautiful. It did my black heart justice watching that awful woman melt down and sound like an illiterate drug dealer as she was getting questions from the other side. It was so good. And then just when you think it can't get any more entertaining, her old man comes down there. Her old man takes oh, yeah. the stand and he starts acting like Huggy Bear back from the old Starsky and Hutch episode telling us that we don't understand things because it's a black thing. Oh, this is so beautiful. It's so good. And again, the high-ranking folks that got the power in this country, they saw what's going on in Georgia. They see the writing on the wall in New York. Trump's got a good chance of skating on all this stuff, so you better find a way to go get him financially. I thought Franny Willis sounded like a complete idiot, and I sat there and I thought to myself, she has a law degree, which means she got into a law school, and somebody that maybe can actually speak uh, did not. It is amazing where this world uh, is turning. Got to ask you a couple of questions. UFL, are you have? Do you have any interest in the UFL? Not unless I'm gambling. And listen, I've made it perfectly clear on this show. I'm a degenerate, and I use that as a term of endearment. I think you're in the same yes. category with me, Coach. I'm yeah. old enough to remember during COVID when you and I would gamble on Russian ping pong that may or may not have been fixed because it was the only sport going on in the world. So if there's action going on, I want in. I don't care if it's two fat guys throwing a football around outside my office. If there's action, I want in. Other than that, no. I don't care if the rock is the face of it. I don't care if it's the USFL or the XFL. Do not care. It's bad football. If you're not good enough to make the roster of the Chicago Bears, I probably don't want to watch your football game. But if I got action on it, now we got ourselves a ball game here. Trying to make some of that Fannie Willis money. You and I should come up with a list of people we're tired of seeing. I'm tired of The Rock. I think he's a horseshit actor. I think he's a phony, and I just don't like him. I'm just tired of him. You got anybody that you're like, you know, and I'm kind of tired of the Mannings. I, I've, I've had enough of the Mannings. I, I, I think these two little frat boys, I, I get it, everybody laughs, but I've had enough of the Mannings, and I've had enough of Rock. Anybody on your mind, or your radar? Man, I need to really sit down and think about it. I don't want to give my official answer right now because this is a great question. If I get invited back, I'd yeah. love to have some time to think about this because I think there are categories. There are categories of politics. There are categories of sport and categories of pop culture. There needs to be like a freaking award show of the people you're tired of with the different categories and presenters. I think you and I may be on the same page or maybe not. Where are you with parades like the, like the Kansas City Parade and the players getting so freaking hammered that they can't stand up. One guy, Sneed, is laying in the street with a booze bottle without shoes. 
Uh, where you know we we saw it with Brady, who you know can barely walk. Uh, Ovechkin, he was on a twenty-day Russian bender, whatever that bender, whatever the hell he's from. Where are you at with the not the drinking on the parade side? I'm not talking about. I'm talking about getting so smashed you can't speak or stand up during a parade. I don't really have a problem with it because it feels like most parades, whether it's out there on the float or somebody in the stands, that's how it works. Think about the big parades this country has, right? You've got Super Bowl celebration parades, like you mentioned. All right. You've got the Mardi Gras parade. takes place down in New Orleans. Boy, you want to see the World Series of drinking, check that bad boy out. Uh, The Indy 500 parade here in Indy. While it's not as rowdy as Carb Day or the 500, there may be some folks that have been overserved lining the streets for that a little bit. Not to the point that it's you know Mardi Gras or a Super Bowl parade, but St. Patrick's Day. Everybody has a St. Patrick's Day parade in their town where I think you're only allowed to attend if you're sloppy, falling down drunk. So the drinking part doesn't bother me. I just don't want them driving home. I got a kid that drives. I don't want them driving home. No excuse for that. Get your fat ass in an Uber, get into a Lyft, get into a cab, have a fat guy carry you on his back, do something, just don't drive. Let me ask you before I let you go, um, is is there a chance Big Mike is going to be the Democratic nominee? And if so, how big a chance? Man, that's, that was my long shot that we placed you know bets on friendly around the office a while back. Because if you remember... The DNC, the big convention, was supposed to be in Georgia this year. But last minute, they moved it to Chicago. Very interesting. Why would they move it to the state of Illinois and the city of Chicago, a place they've already got on lockdown? Why not keep it in a swing state? Because my theory was old man Biden's going to take those hairy legs and walk his 82-year-old ass into a nursing home, and they're going to be scrambling to pick somebody. And they'll change all the rules. They will change every rule of engagement that they have to make sure that Michelle Obama walks out on that stage in Chicago, in her hometown, as the savior, as somebody that's going to shatter all the glass ceilings and all the crap that goes along with it. Joe Biden's not going to be the dude. Joe Biden is not going to be the guy. And it ain't going to be Kamala Harris either. I'm telling you. They're going to try to do some fuzzy math here and change their primary registrations, change all the votes, and something's going to happen. I don't know what it is. Something's going to happen, and my bet is Michelle Obama. Is Big Mike qualified to be president of the United States? I don't know what you got to be to no. be president of the United States anymore, but, you know, what's her? I, mean, look I know her husband right organized communities. Huh? I mean, look who the president is right now. Like, if you're asking me, right. is she more qualified to be the president than than Joe Biden? Yes. This water bottle that I've got right here is more qualified to be the president of the United States than Joe Biden is. Um, and let's be honest, there's a lot of people behind the scenes that are acting as the president right now. Joe ain't calling the shots. Joe doesn't know what he had for lunch this morning. Or right, who, this morning. Who, who's calling the shots? Who's calling the shots? To me, I think it's a combination of Susan Rice, who used to be the advisor for the Obamas. I think the Obamas have their hands in this as well. I think Anthony Blinken has also got his hands in this. There's not one person pretending to be Joe Biden. There's a group that collectively 
is Joe Biden right now. And I think it's the Obamas. I think it's Susan Rice. I think Blinken has a hand in it as well. Hey, Big Mike, we need you on stage. Come on, let's go. <laughs> I love calling her Big Mike. I think Big Mike is the greatest nickname in the history of nicknames. I do. I, I just think it's funny. And if anybody has a problem with it, kiss my ass. I just think Big Mike is a funny nickname. To me, if we're going greatest nicknames of all time, the big unit. How would you like to be Randy Johnson and nicknamed the big unit? Like, that's a that's an awesome nickname to have, right? When Randy Johnson was playing in Indianapolis, when he would leave to go on road trips, his girlfriend would come down and hang out with Double D for the weekend. Oh. It's a true story. Okay. Yeah. Well. Uh-huh. I don't know Never, what to do with I don't that think his nickname I don't either, but I remember she'd be down. Hey, Dan, uh, they're out of town. What are you doing? I, I'm going to Nick's. Meet me there. Uh, bring a toothbrush. <laughs> well, we know that all Major League Baseball I, players are faithful when they go on the road, too. So I'm sure he was uh, right. just reading the Bible when he was out on the road. Well, I mean, most of them get a cup of coffee and they go to Christian Science Reading Room. They read the monitor, and the next thing you know, they're home. Yeah. She wasn't married or engaged. And, you know, I don't know what I, – I couldn't even – I couldn't pick her out of a lineup – in fact, yesterday at a Kroger, I was on the phone. Does this ever happen to you? Yesterday, I'm on the phone doing our 5 o'clock meeting. I'm in the store with my guy, Nick. And this woman is like, hi, Dan. I say, hey, how you doing? And she's like, yeah. I go, nice meeting you. She goes, oh, we've met a lot. And I'm like, uh-oh. And she's like, oh, yeah, we worst. lived in the same apartment com- Yeah, I know. We lived in the same apartment complex uh, in Bloomington, you and Uve used to come and hang over and my, hang out. My first reaction was, I'm sorry, and I hope the statute of limitations has run out. I'm sorry. <laughs> and, she, and she's like, no, you were always a complete gentleman, and you guys were a lot of fun. I'm like, okay, all right. But I, you ever have it? You get nervous. I don't know. What do I know? That, I got no idea. But I was thank, glad she thank said you when it. You're done. Does that make you a gentleman? Living her cab fare, does that make you a gentleman? What does what does being a gentleman mean to a woman that used to live in the apartment complex with you and Uve? I spent the night. Classic. Classic I don't move. Know. Hey, I ke- hey, I kept it classy, yo. I did. I kept it classy. <laughs> hey, thanks, my friend. You as our my friend Dave Carroll says, you always deliver. You're the best. Right. Have a great day. Thank you. Thanks. Appreciate it. Love having Hammer time on. Jason Allen Hammer on Twitter. Hammer and Nigel, 93.1, 3 o'clock. You can download the app. You can listen. Greatest combination, number one sports talk show, excuse me, number one news talk show in the country, Hammer and Nigel. That's true. Jason Allen Hammer is fantastic and a great dude. Hey, I love Craig Carton. I watch every morning. I did not watch this morning, so I'm going to have to catch up. But Craig Carton from Fox joins next. That's it. I got to take a break. We'll be right back with more on Don't At Me across the Outkick Network. Uh, 
I'll wait on Craig Carton, but that's okay. Hey, did you know this? Did you know Caitlin Clark is only 99 points shy of Pistol Pete Maravich? Now, you got to understand something. I'm Serbian, half Serbian, half Serbian, half Polish. My dad, uh, 100% Serbian, and Pistol Pete will always be the guy. Like, if you are a basketball player, I want you to think back to this. Pistol Pete's ball handling videos were out of this world. Nobody, and I mean this sincerely, nobody that I've ever seen is able to do what Pistol Pete Maravich could do with a basketball. I'll also say, Caitlin Clark reminds me of Pistol Pete. Caitlin Clark looks like Pistol Pete. Caitlin Clark plays like Pistol Pete. Caitlin Clark has a flash, a panache, a style about her that reminds me of Pistol Pete. And I do not say that lightly. I do not throw around Pistol Pete lightly. There's two Pistol Petes in my life. One was Pistol Pete Maravich, and one was Pistol Pete Turgovich. Pistol Pete Turgovich played for John Wooden at UCLA, won three national championships. Uh, those two guys were my idols growing up. Turgovich played on the best high school team in the state of Indiana, East Chicago, Washington, state champs, 1972. Uh, Junior Bridgman, who now owns more Wendy's. I digress. I can go on Indiana basketball stuff for 672 hours, and guess what? You would never, ever, ever be bored with it. All right, I'm going to give you my top five college basketball teams, and this is unfortunate. This is very, very unfortunate because my top five is the same as the top five in the latest poll. Number five, Tennessee. I love Tennessee. Look, I'm not going to lie to you. When I watch Tennessee, I think about that Kinnett kid. Apparently, Indiana, I don't know whether this is true or not, but this is what Indiana people say. Indiana somewhat turned down this Kinnett kid. Why? I'll tell you why. Uh, well, because they had Xavier Johnson. And Xavier Johnson was, is, maybe still is, I don't know, Mike Woodson's guy. Now, I just want you to think about this for a second. You got a team that's leading the – well, excuse me, leading a top five team who transferred, who you could have had. So, anyway, let me get off Indiana for just a second. Uh, when I see Tennessee, I see a couple of things, and here's the number one thing that I see. And, Dylan, you're going to agree with this. I don't care what you do in the regular season. You're like Purdue. I don't care. I want to see what you do in the postseason because that has always been the knock on Rick Barnes. So you're sitting here. You're rolling. You're second in the SEC. You're 19 and six. You've had some monster wins. You've shown that you can play anybody in the country. You've won four of your last five. You've won nine out of your last 11. Eight out of your last 10, excuse me. You just beat two teams, one at Arkansas by 30 at Arkansas. Now think about the must buzz. Then you came home and I basically you've ended Stackhouse's career. Tonight you go to Minnesota, but there he is, ladies and gentlemen. There he is. We, well, you know, we got Xavier Johnson. They got this guy who, by all accounts, is leading Tennessee in everything. 20 points a night, four rebounds, couple assists. Just stop it. Just, just stop it before my head implodes. And it is imploding, ladies and gentlemen, because it just gives me gas. Anyway, 
Number four, we're gonna, and this this pisses me off because I'm doing the same thing that these idiot writers are doing, and I don't like idiot writers. I don't like anything about them, particularly idiot basketball writers. Oh wait, Carton's on. We all digress to Carton when Carton is on <laughs> and he's got his hat on. We go to Craig Carton. I didn't see the show today. I usually watch the show every morning. You're on one. You're rolling usually. What do we talk about today? What what you learned today? What I learned. What I learned that I'm fantastic. Um, oh, cool. <laughs> uh, oh, nice. I was trying to figure out why NFL teams are so willing to let star players walk out the door and then they can never replace those players. So for example, why would Tampa let Mike Evans go play football somewhere else, right? Why would the New York Giants let Saquon Barkley go play somewhere else? And I know Saquon Barkley's had injury issues and you know Tampa Bay's not going to win a Super Bowl with Mike Evans, you know, because they're not very good. Um with Todd Bowles and you know even Baker coming back. I just don't understand why we spend all our time trying to find great players we have great players and then we let those great players go play somewhere else. Like I, I just, I don't get it. I never have understood that. Uh, and I don't understand why teams are so willing to do it. This is why I like you, you know, and I don't know you, but I like watching you because I have this conversation and you may disagree with this, but I have yeah. this, I'm a lifetime cub fan. I grew up in Gary, Indiana, every night after school, every day after school, I'd come home, and the Cubs would be on in the afternoon. So I'm a lifetime Cub fan. So they win the World Series. And then immediately they dismantle. So Rizzo, right. gone. These guys, and I'm saying to myself, why are we letting really good players go? Like, and, and we had such a great time winning for the first time ever. I, I talk about this right. all the time, Craig. Why, who are you replacing them with? Hope? The future? And it's like, what are you doing? You know, in, in, in baseball, the best example, not that we're going to talk much baseball, but, you know, the Tampa Bay Rays. Like, they have the greatest, you know, production of young talent, undiscovered talent in baseball for the last two decades. And as soon as they're all ready to make a couple dollars, they get traded off, you know, to some other team, namely the Dodgers, you know, the Mets, the Yankees, et cetera. I don't get it. Like, you know, great players are so hard to come by. You think once you have one, you do everything in your power to keep that guy as long as that guy can be productive. You know, so I, we talked about that. And then from a baseball standpoint, what, what ticked me off this morning, and again, we don't talk a lot of spring training baseball, obviously, on the show. But when a dude like Anthony Rendon, who has a $245 million guaranteed contract with the Anaheim Angels, comes out and says, baseball's never been a priority to me, I'm saying to myself, give the money back and go live your life. It's all good. No one's making you bat 210 and you'll miss 70 games every single year. And for the, the average fan of sports is a blue-collar, hardworking man or woman who takes whatever little bit of extra income they have to enjoy the sport and the team they love the most. And when a player is that tone-deaf to the plight of the average fan, it ticks me off. I read that. And I thought to myself, great that you believe that. Just shut the hell up. Yeah. Like, and by the way, in your you mind, can come out and say, go ahead. I have no issue. If you want to say that in my life, I prioritize family, God, and then baseball, I'm good with that. 
your family always comes first. If you're a religious person, I'm very respectful of that. But you can't come out and tell people that you don't give a rat's ass about playing baseball when they gave you $245 million guaranteed. Gary Sheffield Jr. said it perfect on Twitter. He said, like, man, never has somebody said the right thing in an incredibly wrong way. Yeah, yeah. Because it's offensive. Right? Right? Because the average fan of the Anaheim Angels is shelling out, you know, a couple hundred bucks to bring his wife or husband and kid to a ball game, and they want to see a guy that gives a damn because they work their right. asses off to buy those tickets and those hot dogs and the expensive beer, et cetera. And it's a problem with athletes, you know, maybe of every generation, I suppose, but certainly today's athlete is completely tone deaf to the fan experience and what it takes for a fan, an average fan, to go to a ballpark, an arena, or a stadium. You know what he did to himself, Craig, is every time he strikes out, makes an error, whatever, uh, you don't give a shit. You know I mean? You open yourself up to yeah. all of that, and you just don't need to do that. I mean, an, you know, an adult makes his life simpler. An adult doesn't try to complicate his life, if that makes sense. Right. Now, you know, and even, you know, even if you produced and you played, let's say, 90% of your team's games and you hit 30 home runs a year and 100 RBIs, you know, I guess maybe you have a, a different kind of leg to stand on because you perform. But when you're a guy that misses more than half of every single season and in the course of the last four years – You've only hit about what four or five home runs a year, and they paid right. you all that money to be a top, you know, ten or fifteen player in the league. It's just, it's just tone deaf. Do you, if you were an owner, if you were an NFL GM, or you're, you know, you're in charge of hiring, would you hire Steve Spagnola as your head coach? No, I uh, he he had a shot at it and wasn't good at it. Frankly, I, it wasn't like a five year shot. It was like, well, I think a year, maybe two max. Uh, back in the day, I think there are some guys out there that are just great at coordinators, period, stop. And we try to force them into a role where now they become the CEO of the entire McGilla, and it's not what suits them. You know, and there's nothing wrong with that. You know, I think Norv Turner is a great example of that. He was a great offensive coordinator and a lousy head coach. Um, and I think when it comes to Steve Spagnuolo, who's clearly got to go down now as one of the top defensive coordinators in the history of the sport, considering his success with the Giants, his success obviously now in Kansas City. That's good. That's enough. And I think you're going to find more people like Steve who can make a few million dollars a year at what they're great at and just be great at it for a really long time. And I I, it's, you know, I look back when you talk about you know Spagnola, I wonder if you could rewind the clock a year do you think Eric Bieniemy would have left Kansas City for the Washington offensive coordinator job? I think in retrospect, I understood why he wanted to go out on his own to prove to the world that he's the biggest part as Andy Reid is. We all know better. So I understand from an ego standpoint and a career standpoint. But, dude, make a million to two million bucks every year with Patrick Mahomes as your quarterback and job safety and retire when you're 60 years old with millions of dollars in the bank and a whole bunch of rings on your fingers, or go out to Washington, fail miserably for a lot of reasons, not based just on, on your own merit, and maybe you don't get that job ever again. I see it in radio too. You know, people think for some reason that there's something wrong with being successful in a smaller market, let's say. So you're never going to make $10 million a year or whatever, millions of dollars a year. But, man, you could have a 30-year career – being the best talk show host in Indianapolis, 
There ain't nothing wrong with that. And I do appreciate desire and uh, you know, want to prove to the world and yourself that you can do it in a bigger market and make more money. But man, there's, I'd rather be employed, make it a buck 50 than unemployed with a contract that would have paid me double. Let me ask you, if you're the Bears, what are you doing? If I'm the Bears, what am I doing? Great question with Justin Fields. Um, you know, it's funny. I saw Justin Fields have some moments. Not enough. Had some moments when DJ Moore became, you know, his go-to wide receiver. My issue is that I don't know how good just – I don't know what the quote-unquote ceiling is for Justin Fields. Like, we live in a world where the NFL is a passing league, and he hasn't thrown for 3,000 yards yet in a passing league. So I, I'm concerned about that, and I don't know if I can give Justin Fields my fifth-year option and pay him $30 million for that fifth year if he's going to be an average quarterback. So I'm a big believer in kind of kicking the can down the lane a little bit from a, a financial structure standpoint and bring in one of these quarterbacks, I don't, whoever you think the best guy is, whether it's Caleb or Drake or you know, whomever, I'm not going to claim to know because I don't, um, and kick, that, kick the quarterback salary down the lane for another three years. Uh, the question is, what do you get for Justin Fields? You're going to get a lot more by trading the first pick overall than you're going to get for trading Justin Fields. So I think it just comes down to, do we think a new offensive coordinator and the ability to add three or four more new starters on both sides of the ball changes the entire dynamic for Justin Fields? I don't know that it does. It's one of those weird things where I saw glimpses where I was like, wow, that kid can throw the ball. That kid's a quarterback. And then I saw enough games where I'm like, wow, he's a really good running back who can throw the ball once or twice a game. Um, I think it's a very tough decision. I think he gets traded because I think there's three or four teams that will give Chicago a significant amount of picks or players to go get him, whether it's the Patriots, whether it's the Steelers. Uh, I don't think he goes to Vegas because why would you want to reunite him with Luke Getzey, right? It didn't work in Chicago. Them together right. in Vegas just doesn't work. So I don't think they're on the table. I think Atlanta makes sense. So I think there's enough teams where they can get something in return. Where are you at? Ovechkin, uh, different guys. Now it's Mahomes, it's Kelsey, Brady did it. Where are you at with guys getting so hammered after at parades and in celebrations that they could barely stand up? Where, where are you at with that? I'm a lot of things, but I'm not a hypocrite. I've been in that spot. <laughs> I've been in that spot. And I, can tell you, and I can tell you this. None of my teams have really ever won a championship in my lifetime other than the New York Mets back in 1986. All right, and now I've become a fake Yankee fan, so I can't count the Mets as my team. It's a long story, maybe for another day. If the New York Jets or the New York Knicks won a championship, I promise you, <laughs> I promise you, I'm going to be that guy. So I am not passing judgment on celebrations and getting inebriated because I know exactly what I'd be doing, and I am not a hypocrite. I got to... In eight, 1987, we won the national championship at Indiana. I know, I, I know all about it. The bus. I'm well aware. Yeah, I missed the bus the next day. I got so hammered, I was in the back of a squad car. A judge got me out. Uh, Craig Sager and I were in a chair throwing contest. He broke a window. He was freakishly strong. I ran through a kitchen, hid in my bed. 
they, I'm a grad assistant. I miss the bus. Me and Murray Bartow come out with our bags. The bus is taken off, and I fall in the bushes. I paid a cab driver 20 bucks to beat the bus. So I'm all for celebrations. I'm with you. I can't say that it's bad, right? I, I, I will not be a hypocrite because that's my story, winning a national championship. Yeah, and if Derek Coleman makes a couple of free throws, you never have that celebration. A lot of ifs, brother. A lot of <laughs> ifs. If the dog didn't yep. stop to take a dump, it'd have caught the rabbit, brother. Hey, no doubt. are you? No doubt. I know we're. I know we're Fox. You know Fox. All that stuff. Are you yep. watching the UFL? Yeah, I mean, I, I can't say I'm going to be emotionally invested in it, but I'm going to watch it because it's football and. I'm going to watch guys to see if anyone stands out that I'd like to see uh, in the NFL. Um, I, I think it's smart for the two leagues to merge, for sure. I don't think there's just room, and historically speaking, you know two leagues are not going to be ultimately successful. So I think going to one league is really smart. Uh, I think they'll promote it and market it in a really smart way. Um, listen, it's not going to be what the NFL is, nor is it expected to be. But if we can find – you know, I think – the big picture for the UFL, which would be interesting to me, you know, right now the SEC is kind of like the NFL uh, minors, right? Most guys come out of the SEC. Um, obviously, you can look at other conferences, but the SEC is king. So to me, if the, if the NFL is supportive of the UFL and we can give guys an opportunity to play beyond college who may not be NFL ready just yet, an opportunity to play against other guys of that ilk, I think for us as fans, it's good. You create a talent pool that will make it into the NFL one day. And for all the all the first-round picks that we get to watch and you know, we treat like heroes from high school to college to the pros, there are more rock stars that play in the NFL that come outside the first couple rounds than come inside the first couple rounds. So there are diamonds in the rough. And I say that maybe I would have felt differently a few years ago, but you know, I have a son that plays college football at a Division three school in Iowa. So there's kids that I've seen him play against and even with that you're like, wow, maybe that kid, if given the right opportunity, could make it to the NFL. So I think my opinions change just as a parent of a kid who's now playing Division three of football in college. Then I'm not saying my son is that kid, but I've seen kids where I'm like, wow, that kid is 100% a D1 kid. You know, why is he playing D3? And maybe the UFL provides opportunities for kids like that that aren't household names. That's kind of funny. My stepson played at Allegheny College, and I used to see kids, and I text Chris Ballard, the GM of the Colts, like, hey, you got to check this kid out. You yeah. know, because NFL guys come from everywhere. I mean, you, we, we've seen, you know, they just, they just do. So you see a kid, and he's just different. You're like, holy crap, I don't give a damn what level this is. This kid's damn good. And the three guys I always point to, and it's somewhat cliche here, is, you know, when a guy like Josh Allen comes out of high school and sends out a thousand letters to colleges across America and 999 of them don't give him a second look and he's got the prototypical body, like my kid's 5'9". You know, he's not going to get drafted as a quarterback or looked at as a quarterback and he was MVP of the IMG camp and Jeff Blake said to him, listen, kid, you're never going to be looked at as a quarterback. You're 5'9". <laughs> And you could do everything the six foot four inch kid can do, but I would never pick you. I wouldn't recruit you. You know, so learn how to become a running back, that kind of thing. And when a guy like Kurt Warner's packing groceries and you know has to go through the arena league to get to the NFL, you recognize that 32 teams don't always get it right. 
And there are guys out there that are potential Hall of Famers that just need an opportunity to be seen. And that's why I love the Josh Allen story, the Kurt Warner story, in which they made a bad movie about. I know the guys like that. Rex Grossman, who people malign with the, with the Bears, had zero scholarship offers. His dad and Rex, I, I knew him back in the day, they drove to Florida with their tapes, sat in an office, Spurrier walked in, saw one of the passes, told the guy, all right, here's what we'll do. We'll let you walk on. Right. Just from driving down, you know, Bloomington, <laughs> Indiana to Gainesville. It was unbelievable. You know, the, the, the yeah. ones is, if, you're Sa- if you're Saquon Barkley, and I'll yeah. let you go after this, do you – are you, if you were a player of, of that ilk, would you be rushing to get to the Cowboys? Yes. Yeah. I mean, I, I said it today, like, to me, if the New York Giants don't franchise him, and obviously and they don't sign a, a multi-year deal, so he becomes an unrestricted free agent, and I'm Saquon Barkley, I'm going to the Chargers, I'm going to the Cowboys, and I can probably think of another team or two that makes sense to me, but... I, I'm a vindictive guy. It's uh, it's the last kind of part of my rehab that I need to figure out. My therapist says all the time, it's not healthy being vindictive. And I said, yeah, but I'm really good at it. Um, if the New York Giants let me go, all right, after what they did last year and the way they kind of held me out there for so long before they ultimately franchised me, you know, five minutes before uh, or after the Daniel Jones deal got done, I know the Dallas Cowboys are loaded to win. And they do, Tony Pollard had a bad year. If I can go to Dallas and be the starting running back on that team, number one, I've got a shot to make a run, maybe, deep into the playoffs, and I can make the Giants pay for it twice a year. I would go to Dallas in a minute. And there's a couple other teams I mentioned, but I would be a Dallas Cowboy as soon as I possibly could. Yeah, you know what? I didn't even go to the vindictive part. That's solid. That's my life story right there. So I totally get that. That's, you know, yeah, that's you part go. of the DNA. Uh, yeah. Appreciate you, Craig. Thanks a lot, man. Keep always. killing it. And I always appreciate you coming on the show. Happy to do it anytime. Take care. All right. Check him out. FS1, 7 to 9.30 every morning. And it's great. No, it's fantastic. I like watching. I watch it every single morning. I do. It's right here on my television when I come down here on my fat ass and I get ready for the show. All right. Hey, let's go back before we take a break here. Let's go back to my top five. My number three, or excuse me, my number four college basketball team is Arizona. I've been in love with Arizona this entire year. Now, make no mistake. I've been in love with it. I I have. I've thought Arizona basketball was really good. I watched them beat Wisconsin 627 to nothing. Arizona is on a bit of a run. In fact, they're on a pretty damn good run. You know what? They beat Arizona State, beat the hell out of them, beat them by 45. Now, I've told this story before. We're 26 in the country. I got to let two kids not come, different reasons, to the game against West Virginia. We're the first team getting votes. We get beat by 46 at West Virginia. And I told my assistant, watch, nobody gets beat by 46, Division One against Division One. 45 is close. But anyway, they're rolling. Now, they're absolutely rolling. They've beaten Stanford. They beat Utah. Beat Utah in overtime. At Utah, and Utah's a really well-coached, good team. Beat Colorado at Colorado by 20. This is a team that's coming on, and here's why I like them. That picture is perfect. That picture shows you some strength. 
Like that picture shows you man strength. This team is strong. And this kid, Caleb Love, can get the ball in the basket. Caleb Love played at Carolina. They went to the championship game, all that kind of stuff. This is a physical, this is a tough, this is an older team. And Caleb Love comes in here and he averages 19 points a game. I, I'm going to put money on Arizona making the Final Four. They just gave Tommy Lloyd, their, their head coach, a big-time contract extension, and they should, except that. Where the hell is he going? Ain't going nowhere. Next, the Purdue Boilermakers, they move to number three. Purdue gets beat by an interim head coach, and the road is tough. It's at Ohio State. Jake Diebler's a good coach, knows his way around it. But the fact of the matter is Ohio State's bottom feeder this year in the Big Ten, and if you're really that good, well, guess what? you got to go beat that team, and they are really that good. But here's the story with Purdue. As soon as they lost that game, oh, man, second half of February, all through March, Purdue struggles, which isn't true. Purdue's been good in the Big Ten and in the Big Ten tournament. Now, once that's over, you can complain about Purdue and March. You simply can't. But, you know, sometimes, excuse me, sometimes you get on the road and you just get beat. Now, that's why I've always said there are three great days in a coach's lifetime. Marriage, great day, usually. Second marriage for me, better, but that's okay. I digress. I wasn't coaching. Birth of kids, best day. Road win. And the order depends on which team you beat on the road. Why is it among the best three? Because they're so freaking hard to do. So hard to do. Well, Purdue found out. Still a good team. This Jones kid that you see right there, transferred from Southern Illinois, fantastic addition. Edie is a mountain masquerading as a man or whatever Seth Greenberg says, and I like it. But tell you this, you're not going to see UConn lose to a bad team on the road. Now, they may lose tonight against Creighton, but that ain't a bad team, and that's 22,000 and a top 15 team. Next, second team, and I moved them over Purdue, and that is Houston. I'm watching Houston last night, and I'm like, man, do they get after it. And I got to tell you, Iowa State's really good too. And this kid, Jamal Sneed, I'll take him over any point guard that I have seen this entire year with a possible exception of Braden Smith. Now, Understand this. Last night, I would take Snead. Why? Because he was great. Second half, he had 22. I mean, what are you, crazy? And he made every free throw. But I'll tell you this, against Indiana, I'd take Braden Smith over anybody. The point guard at Purdue got a little talking to by a freshman named Gabe Cups, and he went and lost his mind, scored four straight buckets, including an and one in a three-and-a-half-minute period, opened up the game. But Houston is tough. Houston is physical. Houston can shoot it. And I'm telling they got a kid. I'm telling you, this Jamal is so freaking good and so tough. The only problem is that Samson Calvin, who's the biggest cheat in college basketball, said he represents the best in them. No, stop. There is no best in Calvin Samson. Last, UConn. Tonight, interesting because you're going to see a team in Connecticut surround the, I'm sorry, in uh, Creighton surround the court with shooters. They skip it, they drive it, they kick it, they kick it to the next. They wear you out. So here's the deal. If Creighton makes a bunch of them, Connecticut could have problems tonight. If they don't, Connecticut's going to do what Connecticut's going to do. Ah, tied first half, whatever. 
and then grind it out with their toughness and their athletic ability and their size. We'll see. But Cra- or, excuse me, Connecticut's my number one team, whether they win tonight or whether they don't. I think they're that good. And I love what Bobby or Danny Hurley's doing. Tough as hell on them, coaches their sack off, and next thing you know, nobody leaves, and they just keep playing. It's going to be a fun tournament. It's going to be really fun. All right, when we come back, I got a lot to get to. We'll be right back. We'll be right back. Got to take a short break here. We are rolling with Don't At Me, and you don't want to miss it. Stay tuned. Hey, welcome back. What a great time. Two of my favorite people to interview. That was. I mean, what a great day. Hammer time. And, of course, Craig Carton. I love Craig Carton. I like watching him. I like seeing I think he's interesting. I think he's fun. I mean, I, I, I get it. A lot of people have a problem with Craig. That's him. Not me. See, I like people with an edge. I can't be around the holy. It's like that Billy Joel song. Only the come out, Virginia, don't let me. I mean, I just like being around, you know. People. That's why I actually liked working for Calvin Sampson. I did. Until I realized he was a freaking criminal. That I mean, Not a criminal. He was you know, doing stuff that I'm like, hey, look, we ain't doing that stuff. All right, here's a guy I really liked. I recruited this kid, Jacques Vaughn. Jacques Vaughn was a player that I loved. I would drive, or excuse me, fly out to California. I would go to John Muir High School and just have lunch with Jacques Vaughn. And I'd go see this big kid, Richard Randall, who never really panned out at Indiana, but he should have. Anyway, so I would go and hang out. Jacques Vaughn was a poet. I actually got followed one time into, and this was bad business, into a cul-de-sac by some gangbangers in that area. I mean, the car was bumping, and they were giving me, and I'm like, ah, man. But you got to stay strong and make them think you're either a cop or a coach, which is what they did. But here's the story with Jacques Vaughn. He was, I thought, coming to Indiana. Roy Williams was recruiting him hard. Steve Fisher recruiting him hard. He was going to go visit Indiana last. He was going to visit Kansas and Michigan. Coach Knight told me, nah, nope, uh-uh. If he's going to visit Michigan, then he cannot come to Indiana. Call him. I'm like, what? Yep, you can't be a kid that likes Michigan and those clowns is exactly in Indiana. I said, Jock, is there any way you cannot visit Michigan? We, 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 we. You know, he goes, no, I'm, I got these visits set up. I, I, I go, oh, well, then we're done recruiting you. Jock Vaughn then, I mean, just made shot after shot. He wasn't a shooter, but he made shot after shot against us in an epic game in Allen Fieldhouse. I digress. He has been fired. They are 21-33. and 33. He's the coach of the Brooklyn Nets. And, look, all you got to do is know anything about the Brooklyn Nets to know that ain't Jock Vaughn's fault. I mean, let's be honest, that that ain't Jock Vaughn's fault. Today, tomorrow, the damn next day. So good for him. Good for him. Cam Newton is fast becoming, uh, he'll get a job. He'll be on ESPN because Cam Newton is a perfect DEI hire right now. He just talks. So Cam Newton said this, the coaching stunk for the 49ers in the Super Bowl. Field goal versus touchdown. That's not Brock Purdy. Why the 
are did they receive the ball first? It was Tony Romo who mentioned this. When you know what you have to get, now you have four downs to get it, not three. The 49ers, they were just trying to get points. And that is not Brock Purdy's fault. That's bad coaching. There's too many people who was exposed. They didn't know the real rules of overtime. Okay. You know, it's easy. You dress like a clown. You look like an idiot. You're trying to – fine. Good. Hey, we talked about Anthony Rendon earlier. Anthony Rendon, I am not going to lie to you, was one of my favorite baseball players. He was. When he was playing, I just liked him. I thought he was cool. They won a championship, I think, with Washington, with him as the third baseman, and I'm not going to lie to you. They won me a lot of money. I'd put $100 down on him September 1st, and we won. But Anthony Rendon, well, here's the deal. I always equate these folks. Remember when Clarissa Thompson, the little sideline girl turned host, you know, started talking about how she made stuff up? Here, you get too comfortable. You get too comfortable, and you're not used to it. So Anthony Rendon got comfortable. He said, baseball has never been a top priority for me. It's just a job. I do this to make a living. My faith, my family come first before the job. So if these teams come before it, I'm leaving. That's great. But why do we have to hear that? Why is it something that those of us that love baseball, that would give anything to be in this guy's position, why is it that we have to hear that? You know, guy's making over $200 million this this contract. And we got to sit there and listen to this. So now every time he kicks a ball, we're going to be like, ah, he doesn't care. Plays like he doesn't care. Got in a hassle with a fan last year, so he must care a little bit. I mean, it's tough to go out there every day because baseball is a fairly brutal sport on a day-to-day basis. But I just don't understand. See, people get comfortable. They think they can say anything. Only guys my age can say anything, or maybe not. But long story short, we don't need to hear that from a guy making over $200 million. To do what? Like, if you're running a huge company, if you're the president of Eli Lilly, And every day you're looking at the stock quotes and you're responsible for this, that, and the other. All right. You know what? Maybe I'm not mad at hearing this. But a baseball player who gets to play a game for that kind of scratch, who probably couldn't do anything near enough to make that kind of money, I mean, who can? It just kind of pisses me off. Do we have the fight over endless shrimp? Do we have the video? If we have the video, then I'm going to talk about this story. I'm not sure we have the video. Do we? Hello? I got a story here. It says fight over endless shrimp having Oklahoma police searching for a woman. And there was a great fight. Well, if we don't have the video, there's no sense in talking about it. Chris Sims calls Jalen Hurts the most overrated player in football. Now, again, I don't know why you got to say that. Like, here's the deal. I would argue anybody on the Colts is more overrated. I would argue that Jalen Hurts was at least good enough to take a team to the Super Bowl. I would argue that the truth of the matter is there's a ton of guys more overrated. But somehow, some way, a guy that took a team to the Super Bowl 
is the most overrated quarterback? That seems idiotic to me. That It does. That seems absolutely idiotic to me. And I get it. Look, Chris Sims is trying hard. He really is. He's got his little F-boy haircut, and he's trying really hard with that fraud what's-his-face, Florio. I, I, we all get it. We do. But come on. In a recent interview, he said, and again, this is like Jay Williams saying yesterday that, or two days ago or Saturday, that Caitlin Clark isn't great. I mean, that's just dumb. Seriously, that's just dumb. But it gets us talking about a show, game day, that's no good, and a guy, really, that doesn't have any opinions that are informed. He just kind of shows and goes in Williams. Well, this is the same thing with Chris Sims. You know, I watch him on TV. I'm not I, his daddy. It's a, like a daddy thing, you know, between the, the Collinsworth and the Sims. Ah. So he says that Kyler Murray is better than Hurts. He's the most overrated player in football. He plays quarterback for a team that's an all-star team. They have the best offensive line. It's not even close. They got maybe the best duo and receiver, right? All right. Sims ranked, uh, what's his face, 25th of 40 quarterbacks. He put Carson Wentz and Zach Wilson higher on the list. Leadership, personality, effect on the – okay, great. You know, it, it, it is amazing. Like, I, when I was at ESPN or even on this show, I'll say some wacky things, but there isn't one of you that can say I'm not prepared when I say it. And not one of you can say, well, you know what, when I went back and actually thought about what Doc had said, he was kind of right. But honest to God, all you got to do is look at anybody on the Colts. i tell you right now, in the world I live in, there's nobody more overrated right now than Anthony Richardson. People actually think Anthony Richardson is a good player. Anthony Richardson is pretty good around the goal line. Not bad. And that's a good thing to be. That's like Chris Carter being all he does is catch touchdown passes. But he threw for about 56%. He got hurt. I mean, what? A lot of overrated dudes in the NFL. I remember when the Colts signed a guy named Yannick Ngakwe from the Raiders. I think Mike Lombardi came on this show. And Mike, who's a genius in my opinion, said, look, you're going to hate him. Why am I going to hate him? Well, because you're going to see him as a fraud. He goes, others in the media won't, but you will. I did. And he runs by the quarterback, meaning he looks like he's giving effort, but he goes right by. And he did. And the Colts got rid of him after one year. Now, how do I know this? And the Colts don't. It's amazing to me. But anyway, there's an overrated guy. I mean, there's a dude that's crazy. I mean, every, there's so many more players overrated than a guy that took a team to the Super Bowl. I can't decide what I want to do with this. I'm literally tired of every baseball guy dismissing every conversation about who the best player in the game is, Sans Otani, by saying Mike Trout, he's a freak, blah, 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 blah. I get it. It's a team game. I get it. There's a big roster. I understand. I promise you I do. I swear to you I do. I swear. But the truth of the matter is this. Mike Trout's had one playoff series. And I don't care how well you do in the regular season. Baseball lore is made in the playoffs. Now, people say basketball is too. Yeah, maybe. But, I mean, I don't know if Pistol Pete Maravich had any great postseasons. Baseball is just different. Baseball is moments. You could say every other team is. It's just not the same. So, if you're going to be Mike Trout, 
you got to make a decision. And here's what Trout had to say about wanting to earn a World Series in L.A. with the Angels. The easy way out is to ask for a trade. That might, there might be a time. Maybe. I haven't really thought about this. But when I sign that contract, I'm loyal. I want to win a championship here. The overall picture of winning a championship or getting to the playoffs here is a bigger satisfaction than bailing out and just taking an easy way out. So I think that's been my mindset. Maybe down the road if something changed, but that's been my mindset ever since the trade speculation come up. Well, good for him. Really good. Obviously, he's a great player. I mean, don't get me wrong, but all I ever see of Mike Trout is this. Gets hurt every year. How many games is Mike Trout going to play? Is Mike Trout playing? Hey, the Angels are on TV. Is Mike Trout playing? No, he's hurt. No, he's got an oblique. No, he's got an ass. No, he's got a hammy. No, he's got this. No, he's got that. Oh, okay. Here's the problem with baseball. I'm going to show you. You go to baseball and you try to look up a guy's stats, and they have every idiotic stat in America. (laughs) So this is what I'm looking up. So in 2019, Mike Trout had a streak going. Two, four, six, eight years in a row of basically 114 games or more. Most years he played over 150. One, two, three, four, four in a row. Okay. Since then, 2053, shortened season, 36, 21, 119, 22, and 82, half the season. Last year. Now, look, I get it. You're the MVP. A, 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 MVP. MVP of the All-Star Game. MVP of this. MVP of that. All right. Three-time MVP. All right. Maybe four-time. Hell, I don't know. All right. Got to get in the playoffs. If somebody was going to say to me, who's the best player, I guess I'd say Otani, and then I'd say Mike Trout. But you got to get in the playoffs, and I think it's nice that he wants to do it in freaking L.A. with the Dodgers. All right. I live in Indy. Indy's my town. Uh, You know, that kind of stuff. Charles Barkley and Draymond Green. I told you this before about Draymond Green. All Draymond Green's trying to do with his career is get the Charles Barkley seat. Now, Charles Barkley is likable, lovable. Draymond Green's an idiot. Stupid. But I get it. That's the route we're taking. Guys of our ilk, my ilk, who are incredibly charming, can go any way you want with a conversation, can offend or not offend, but everybody loves you. Guys like me and Barkley, we're of an age, and we're going to be out the door in a minute. I was telling the other day, I got basically 20 years to live. Dockage is pretty much die at 82. I'll be 62 in a couple weeks. I know I look 28, and if you only knew, never mind. But anyway, so Barkley has had enough of the criticism of Indy from America's dummy, Draymond Green. Here's what Barkley had to say. Minus, uh, hey, you know, hey, the hey. 17 degrees. Hey, 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 hey Reggie. Yes? If you, had a, if you had a chance of being cold or being around a bunch of homeless crooks in San Francisco, <laughs> when you... Oh, oh, oh that's oh, crazy. Oh, no. You're not welcome. Oh, not oh, you're hey, not welcome. Hey, hey. Hey. We love no, we don't. Yes, we do. You can't even walk around down yes, there. Yes, you can walk around. Yeah, with a bulletproof bag. Hey, Taylor, that little red button on that microphone, it says coffee. I live in Arizona. 
I'm just telling you, man. They were mad at 17 degrees. Look, Indy, we had a weather problem. Hey, look, the All-Star game weather made up for it. When the Super Bowl was here, which is early February, we had like 60-degree day. I talked about it. I used to walk around in shorts from our studio to Radio Row where I did my show. It was great. But the fact of the matter is simply this. The fact of the matter is I don't care what Draymond Green has to say. I only care what Charles Barkley has to say. And Charles Barkley was, well, frankly, he was one of the guys defending Indy. He said that people in Indiana really know hoops, and Charles Barkley is not wrong. In 49 other states, it's just basketball. All right, you know what it is. You know what time it is. You know I love it. Woke a dope me. Let's go, ladies and gentlemen. Woke a dope me. Woke a dope, friend. Oh, man. I tell you what, she puts on that hood, yo. She gets her Bonics book out and brings that cash. See, you got to understand about Franny Willis. It's a black thing. Well, it is. I mean, you keep heavy cash around all the time. You bring your married boyfriend with you and you stup. And while you're doing that, we should have known because there is video of Franny Willis back in the day talking about how you need a DA that won't have sex. It's amazing world, people. Won't have sex. With her co-workers. Okay. It's an amazing day. No, it's really an amazing time. So what does she do? She's giving it to the co-worker. Now, the co-worker is an idiot. I mean, he stands, sits like an idiot, looks like an idiot. I'm sure he's a genius compared to Franny Willis. But if you're having sex with that, man, a little pride. I mean, just a little. A little pride. I get it. There's a thrill. It's a co-worker. I, I do. I get it. I do. But the fact of the matter is, hey, look, just don't be a hypocrite. Next! I'm a little hazy about what happened here, but I'm sure Trump had a hand in it. That's right. That's right. He could have stopped at I'm a little hazy. And, of course, Trump had a hand in it, according to this con, because the great uniter right here, the man who is bringing decency back to the White House while we got transvestites dudes frolicking naked and freaking gyrating on each other. Good for him. Cocaine in the White House. We got a staffer who's having anal sex in one of the hallowed halls of Senate. But, yes, these people are bringing respect and decency back. On top of that, they're uniting us. But I don't know if you've noticed, every single thing that happens is not his fault. I mean, God, he's only been in power three years. I mean, what do you expect him to do? No, it's Donald Trump's fault. And people buy it, which is fascinating to me. People buy it. That's pretty good. Next! Oh, man, our Democratic mayor and governor are destroying my state. I'm done. Next time I'm voting for a different Democrat. That's funny. Because that's no lie. Every time I see an African-American inner city person stand up and say we're voting for Trump, I say, finally, you're waking up. I mean, Draymond Green said it best. Man, the brothers keep voting for Democrats, and the brothers stay poor in cities. Now, he walked that back a little bit, but he's not wrong. I mean, I, honest to God, look, I don't know if Republicans have a better plan. I have no idea. But I know this. These clowns are just pandering to you. That's it. Uh, I got to say something about what happened last night in a basketball game 
between Texas A&M Corpus Christi and Incarnate Word. There's a handshake line. The handshake line was instituted, I'm not really sure when. I didn't have a handshake line when I played. It's ridiculous. Shut up. So yesterday, whatever happened in the game spilled over to the handshake line. And you can look at, you you can, I don't know if we have the video, but if we do, you can play it. I think I sent it to you guys last night. I don't know if we can play it or not, copyright and all that stuff. But it was a brawl. It was a melee. It was something that I have not seen maybe ever escalate and continue to escalate. Now, again, this is Incarnate Word who got beat and Texas Corpus Christi. Now, here's what you got to understand. Incarnate Word is a small Catholic school in San Antonio. (coughs) Incarnate Word had as a coach one of the great dudes, Dr. Carson Cunningham, fantastic player at Purdue, took Carroll College to the NAIA finals. After three years of trying to build this ridiculous program, they fired. Carson Cunningham. Why? Because there was one of these AAU slash prep school clowns. And the AAU slash prep school clown convinced an athletic director that I'm the man. Look at all these guys I've coached. So when these little clowns were coaching at uh, La Lamere Academy, he apparently was moneyed enough to have a Well, a bunch of players. Okay. So this little weasel, his name is Shane Harriman, coached at DePaul. (laughs) Coached at DePaul, and DePaul was, he got out ahead of being fired. So they replaced a guy in Carson Cunningham with an incredible, incredible character for a douchebag named Shane Harriman who coached as an assistant coach at DePaul, where he helped lead. He helped lead the Blue Demons to 35 wins over three years. All right. Okay. Coached at La Lamere Academy in LaPorte, Indiana. He coached 25 players who went on to play Division I. He's a snake oil salesman that is a punk. And he absolutely has the kind of team and the kind of lack of discipline and the kind of I'm going to kiss players' ass that would lead to a brawl yesterday. I saw it. I went back and I said, all right, who is this little D-bag? And it is this guy, Harriman. You suck, Incarnate Word. I've known you've sucked. Nobody cares about you, but I do. Because Carson Cunningham, who's been a friend of mine since he was like two, was going to get your program wins, was going to get everybody graduated, was going to put you on the map as a respectable place. Now, because you hired a little prep school douchebag, you are now on the map of college basketball as a place where you go to get undisciplined, a place where you go to get in a crazy wild brawl, and it ain't stopping with that. If I were Incarnate Words president, I would fire the coach, I'd fire the AD because here's what's going to happen. More. More is going to happen. I've known these little prep school guys forever. I've known them. They kiss players' ass. They brag about themselves. They can't coach wild turkeys to take a dump. And they suck. So, 
Do yourself a favor, Incarnate Word. Fire that coach. Fire that AD before it gets worse. Uh, I'm back on 1430 today. The ticket is a big day for me. I got to go over there. I'm going to go to 1430, do my show. And then I got a knee appointment. And we're going to find out. And the doctor's going to crush my soul because my knee doesn't bend 120 degrees. So it's going to be a bad afternoon for me, but I don't care. Hey, download the 1430 The Ticket app, and you'll catch some greatness. We're going to rip Indiana basketball to shreds. We may even get a little piece, little piece of the women's program. Everybody told me how great they are. Yeah, you got beat by 20 yesterday on the road. Hope everybody has a great afternoon. Peace out. Word to your mother. <laughs>